Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicas.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue is about India's richest personalities and joining me to talk about the rich list special issue of Forbes India is senior assistant editor Prince Thomas. Hi Prince, welcome back. Nice to have you again. Hi Abhishek, good to hear from you. Hi. Thank you and, and it's quite apt that this responsibility of covering the richest Indians should fall upon your shoulders given that your name alone qualifies for this, doesn't it? I, I'm sure we spoke about a little bit of it last time. Anything else will just not <laughs> cut it. <laughs> I wish in my I would be part of the list, not just making it. <laughs> we will come to that very soon, given that there are four people on your list from Kerala. That's your hometown. We'll come That's to that true. very soon. But your opening essay, to begin with, says that, uh, and I quote, the average person complains about the system, but the best make the most of it, whatever the adversities. And that is the key learning from the 2013 Forbes India Rich List. Now, why do you say that? Uh, say because the past one year has not been very good for doing business generally because of the regulatory the hurdles that were there the economy not, was not very good and even the Indian middle class which is renowned for its buying power there was some dent on that so it was not a very good year for business most of the companies saw their revenues going down but here we have a bunch of entrepreneurs and their companies who have actually increased their wealth compared to last year. So it shows that this is a special bus that we're talking about. And that's why I think also marks them out. Right. And I read that this year, the total net worth of all individuals combined almost beat the all-time record that Forbes India had done back in 2010. And there are four more billionaires uh, this year, and it takes the tally to 65 a few more highlights is that the cutoff has increased by 175 million and you need to have a good 635 million dollars to make it on that list the, the odds are that you i mean if you're talking about you having to make it there it, it's quite close you've got your name and then you're from kerala now why do Keralites have an affinity towards that list prince it's, it's a very interesting trend that come out this year because of the 15 newcomers that we have four are from kerala but but even more interesting is that none of them resides in kerala kerala is known for its expatriates who are based out of the middle east and these four also traveled across the sea to set up businesses and become good very interesting story uh, we have done uh, features on ravi pillai who is on the cover also of the magazine too and uh, he's the biggest debut this year Right, he's ranked 34. So tell us about him. Now, Ravi Pillai, quite a few years ago, he went to Middle East to work, like many of his compatriots from Kerala. I mean, he didn't have much money with him, but he started in the construction. He started off as a contractor, but slowly grew. And today he has one of the largest construction business in the region. And an RP group of companies named after him. And they do everything. I mean, now he's got some hotels and resorts in Kerala, but also in the Middle East, he's into hospitals, huge business. The secret of his success is, is his access to labors and getting them organized. So it's a very interesting story, which my colleague Ashish Mishra has done. One should surely read that. And my compliments to the photographer who convinced Mr. Ravi Pillai to be donned in all the South Indian attire of white shirt and if it is called the Vaisti and he is posing next to a Bentley, which is quite a beautiful sight. That's the only way to put it. That's right. That's right. Great photograph. And let's talk a bit about somebody whom we know and we've been reading and there have been advertisements in the last few years and you've covered him. Uh, it's Mr. Kimat Rai Gupta of Havels. Now, it's an 8,000 crore company and he's not perhaps new to the list. Was he around this time last year? 
Yeah, yeah, surely he will stay. He's been on the list for some time because Havel's been doing well. That's a great success story. Was less than about 100 crore about 20 years ago, but today it's 8,000 crore. You talk about how their management style is slightly old-fashioned or might come across as old-fashioned. Now, do you do you mean that as a compliment or what, what did you have to say there? It's surely positive here. What happens is that uh, in the office in Noida, every morning they have a meeting at the chairman's office. Mr. Kimasai Gupta, he's called Kiwaji. And in this meeting, all the vertical heads, including his son, Anil, are also present. And this is something that they do every morning. And they meet together for two to three hours and discuss everything under the sun. In this meeting, many of the important decisions are being made. And when I was there, uh, they did something very fundamental for the company and that is for the first time they decided that they will have a meeting for their vendors which could help them save some money especially at a time when margins are squeezed and through the next one or two hours I saw many important steps being taken many important issues being discussed and what happens is that all the vertical heads know what's happening across the company the, the difficult part is that many of the smaller companies when they become bigger they sometimes lose out these kind of management uh, styles. And moving ahead from old-fashioned way of doing business to some interesting business models that people have tried and we read a profile of uh, Mr. Venugopal Dhut of Videocon. Now what is he doing in Mozambique, Prince? <laughs> yeah, Videocon I think it's, it has been a household name because of his TV business and consumer electronics. Now with the advent of many of the South Korean companies, the sector has become a tough one to function, operate in. And the same with Videocon. So it's been struggling in its core business. But what Mr. Dhut has done very well is to diversify into oil. His oil business, people say he's lucky, uh, but he's made very important finds in oil and, and that has made him very rich. And uh, that's and has brought in very good money for him to take care of the challenges in other businesses. The debt is high in Videocon. But the money through oil is helping. Right. An interesting part of the entire package that I saw was that you've covered some deceased entrepreneurs in great detail. Balwant Parekh, former chairman of Pedilite Industries, and Mr. K. Anil Reddy of Dr. Reddy's lab. There are profiles of these men. Now, was this a first to concentrate on big names who have fallen out because they are no more? Uh, last year, we had retirees who had uh, stepped down from their uh, business, and that was Mr. Uh, Paranji Mistri and Mr. Keshav Mahindra. In the last one year, unfortunately, two of the icons from the industry had passed away. Mr. Balwan Parikh, he made Adasil's a household name. Fevicol, I think everyone uh, uses Fevicol in their everyday life, and we all love the ads that they come out with. And Mr. Anji Reddy, I think, was a path breaker. I mean, as the uh, obituary profile, it's been a huge influence in not only bringing the, the sector into the mainstream, but also spawning many other entrepreneurs who took inspiration from him, worked with him, and then later on set up their own businesses. So both were huge influences in their own area of operation. And that's why we thought that it would be a great tribute to them if we do their obits. The methodology is such that you do not make it on the list uh, if you are no more. Would the person who inherits their business might make it on the list? Is that how it works? That's right. So in the case of Mr. Balun Parekh, his son has featured on the list. And in the case of Mr. Reddy, his family, because his wealth is now distributed among his family. So it's a Reddy family that 
comes on the list, not in one individual. Uh, so that's what happens every time a transition happens. It's a good time to talk about how you go about compiling such an issue, Prince. Uh, what goes into it and what is the rough methodology for ones who are tuning in for the first time, very briefly? Sure. The list is compiled using you know shareholding and financial information that the families give us. And we look at the stock exchanges, the analyst reports. We do our own collation. The ranking list, family fortunes. What we do is we set off a date. Basis of that day's stock price, we do the rankings. And this year, the cutoff date was October 18th. And this year, exchange rates are also very important given the fluctuation in the rupee. There are a few private companies too who are not listed on any of the exchanges. And these companies are valued based on, you know, they would have their own peers who are listed. So we look at the valuation of the peer companies and then come to a valuation for these private companies. And how open are the companies to give out their details? Are there any challenges when it comes to measuring the net worth of individuals in India? Yeah, it's a, a lot of exchange of information. So the team which is collating the information would have some and they would check it with the companies and the companies themselves will provide us with information. In a couple of cases, it gets tough because some are not willing for the wealth to be discussed and talked about and measured. So then it becomes a little challenging, but we try to make it as scientific as possible and check it, always check it with the families. Until now, we've not had a, a big problem, so that's fine. When, when you talk about checking this with the families, uh, there is one story that I particularly like, wherein a family member is endorsing, that is, a daughter is endorsing her father and wants him to be remembered as a philanthropist who founded HCL. Shiv Nadar yes. is someone that we all know. He founded HCL. Now, in the West, it's common to see even young working entrepreneurs move towards philanthropy. Now, what did you find about Shiv Nadar? There is an article that you've written on him and not on his money-making habits, but his money-giving habits. <laughs> That's right. Shiv Nadar calls himself as a product of education. Through his studying years, he got scholarships and did well for himself. His first step into philanthropy was way back in the mid-90s when he set up the Assistant College of Engineering in Chennai. And he, in fact, is one of the biggest gainers this year. And he ma makes his return on the top 10 of the list too. Now, what we see is that an interesting transformation of a person who was known for being aggressive, tough, street smart, and him making the transition from a very, very cutthroat businessman into a, uh, like you said, giving money for education. And his model is very different from his peers like Azim Premji or Sunil Mittal who also have given money for education. Because here Nadar is creating infrastructure by himself and he's not partnering the government in this. And the money that he's spending has been huge. In the next five years, he's going to spend two, 3,000 crore and that will bring his total investment in education to about almost about 6,000 crore. This is huge money. Concept of wealth is different for different people. Nadar is surely doing something very different from other billionaires in India, and we hope that this is just a start. Right. Last couple of questions, Prince, is that have you tried to vaguely measure the physical fitness of these CEOs with respect to their to their wealth? So there is one Anil Ambani who runs marathons, then there is Vikas Oberoi who apparently takes his exercise so seriously that you have an article on him. There is one Mr. Murli Divi of Divi Labs who is valued at 1.16 billion, and he is quite a fitness freak himself, runs a few yoga centers. So did you try and do that? It'll be an interesting comparison to see how fit are the people who lead India's biggest enterprises. Yes, yes. And even more interesting would be if some 
of the big names that do not make to this fitness list. <laughs> that would be even more interesting, I think. Fitness, health, and doing business, I think entrepreneurs are increasingly understanding that both are interlinked. The healthier you are, the better you are as a businessman and in taking decisions and being a team player. And I think Vikas Obrai has shown that it really works. Uh, the best thing is that it trickles down to the management and to the whole company. What we are seeing, especially among the younger generation of entrepreneurs, but at the same time, the older ones are also, I think, taking cognizance of that. Right. I think on that healthy note, it's time to wrap up. Thanks a lot, Prince, for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Abhishek. It's great talking to you always. All your listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as do pick this issue. It's got some interesting stories on many, many entrepreneurs, many anecdotes and trivia covered by the editors and writers at Forbes India. And uh, to have someone call you for a Forbes subscription, just message Forbes 51818.